Hello, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt. And Jillian. I'm Matt, by the way. <laughs> That's me saying my own name. Um, we are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Today, we are talking about our cozy topic. Every week, we have a cozy <laughs> topic. For those uh, of you who are new, this is episode three. Today's topic uh, is young adult literature. Which is great. And... Just to set up what the situation is right now, so you can visualize what we're doing, we are drinking coffee, we are in a small little nook <laughs> in my apartment, and every episode we burn a scented candle and then review it at the end of the episode. So right now, we are burning a joy candle. Yeah. This is a handmade candle. Jillian, can you talk about this candle? Oh, sure. Um, my girlfriend and I took a candle making class, um, and the candle making class also was part of it was setting an attention within the candle. So mm -hmm. some, some vibe, I guess, at this little place called Maker's Mess, which is in Silver Lake. And the woman who led the workshop, I guess, sells her candles to high-end clients. She sells them the, the Emmy. Oh, so this is a fancy candle. Well, it's not a fancy candle. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's a little bit stingy with the oils. That's mm -hmm. why I wanted to bring it here today because I'm convinced that it doesn't have a scent, mm -hmm. and that she was stingy with the oils. Wow, so we have an agenda <laughs> with this one. So we, you know, stay tuned. We will review this candle at the end of the episode. Um, before we get to any of that, <laughs> um, we're going to start uh, with a new segment uh, that we just started last week, um, which is called Release the Resentments. So... Doing this podcast involves uh, us being very cozy and um, comfortable. And sometimes when you come into the booth, you're not always feeling that way. Yeah. So just in case we're coming with any baggage, we release it at the, at the beginning of the episode. And feel free um, to pause us at any point and scream your resentments <laughs> if you're in the car or in your, in your house or wherever you are. Um, just so that you can also be in the same frame of mind that we are in. So here we go, release the resentments, and the sound effect for that is a rainstorm. So this is, these are the resentments. They are clouding our vision, and we are about to break these clouds away. All right, so Jillian, do you have any resentments this week? Uh, yes, and it's a, a robot. Um. <laughs> yes, and it's a robot. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, I don't want to always just make it about my girlfriend, but she purchased this $250 robot on Amazon that's supposed to clean the house. Like a Roomba? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jillian resents Roombas, so tell us, tell us what is so bad about the Roomba. I really thought it was like just a robot thing. So I'm fine with it vacuuming. I'm still not convinced it does a great job vacuuming. <laughs> But it does a terrible job mopping. <laughs> so now that my girlfriend and I are moving in, I really want a Swiffer. Just because it's like, you know, wood floors. It's just easy to Swift. And I get annoyed at this Roomba because it just squirts out its little stuff. It's cleaning some It's wine. robot secretions. Yeah. And it just like moves it around the floor and nothing gets cleaned. My girlfriend's very defensive of the Roomba, <laughs> calls it Wally. She sides with the robot. <laughs> she does. She's very defensive of the robot. And so I'm just pissed off watching this robot making more mess, just moving around the mess. 
And it always gets tired so easily. It takes forever to charge. It takes too many breaks. Yeah. <laughs> How much is getting paid? <laughs> oh, but it's my choice. And they pay nothing and be out the door. <laughs> so this week, Jillian is presenting the Roomba. And you're releasing that before yeah, we start. Yeah. So we're letting that go. I don't really have a resentment this week. I had a pretty good week. Um, so I'm just going to do an old chestnut because this always makes me angry. And this is when people watch you parallel park. Oh, God. Here, here's just a tip. If you're, if you're that person, just look away. No mm-hmm. one wants to be watched. It's a very vulnerable moment. It is. Everyone deserves their privacy when they're parallel parking. It'll be a better experience for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Just look away. Yeah. Keep walking. Don't stop. Don't, it's always someone with a dog, too, that they have to, like, the dog has to go to the mm-hmm. bathroom right in front of where yeah. you're about to parallel park. Yeah. So, I just drive away sometimes when I see people watching me because it's too much. I've done that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. a perfect... I, I used to live in Koreatown, too, so there was... Parking was very difficult to come by. Mm-hmm. And I if, if someone was standing there, I would still skip the spot. Yeah. Um, and I had turned into a very decent parallel parker it's not about skill it's about performance anxiety yeah well having an audience and i just find it bizarre that other people feel comfortable watching others you know sweat it out or yeah i mean it's bizarre because when i when i see someone parallel parking i don't stop yeah i just keep walking look away yeah i think it's all reasonable i think that's a very good uh axe to grind But now that axe has been released, the clouds are gone. I'm releasing that into the ether, and now it is a clear, sunny day. The birds are chirping. There are no more rain clouds. Let's enjoy this. All right, let's get started. Okay, so another segment that uh, we usually do, we always have done, to get us started is cozy locations Mm -hmm. that also has the sound (laughs) sorry again if you are new and everyone's basically new uh we will do an ambient noise to introduce each segment so and that that will is meant to calm you although i think some are kind of alarming but this is a fireplace sound to introduce um our segment cozy locations Mm -hmm. (laughs) a a sharp little end of that (laughs) my cozy location this week is the Magic Castle oh. in Los Angeles. It's an exclusive cozy location. I have to I have to say it's not That's something you can just walk up and do. You have to have a magician who's been inducted into whatever society of magicians that they have. Either they give you a voucher to have like a $100 dinner and it's a lot oh. of money. Yeah. Or you know one personally like I do and you just walk in the front door with them as their guest. Wow. And so I've been wait, a couple wait, you of know times. one of the magicians? I know a magician, yeah. Okay. I've had the I have the privilege of knowing a magician. And she took me to the Magic Castle. Um she's taken me twice, but the last time I went um just this week and it's just magnificent. Mm. Um if you know a magician or can track down one or trap one, um make them give you a voucher to the Magic Castle because basically what it is is it's a a big mansion and there are magicians stationed at different theaters throughout the entire building. They have a restaurant. They have multiple bars. Wow. They have a player piano that takes requests that's supposedly played by a ghost named Irma. Okay. They have, like, in the basement, too, they have little parlors as well where they do close-up magic. Like, you know, cards and coins disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I, I really didn't think that much of magic, to be honest. It was never my thing, um, except in a Harry Potter version of that. And we will get to that shortly. <laughs> But in terms of like, you know, 
what you kind of envision of like Vegas act magic was never my thing, but I was totally blown away by the magic I saw at the Magic Castle. It was like, especially seeing it close up and personal. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who's petrified of being called on in a public space. I don't want to be Me too. Uh, a volunteer in any way, shape or form. No, And never. so that's not cozy, <laughs> but it all works because it's so amazing. I saw some just beautiful, there was a magician I saw and uh, forgive me, I forgot his name, but uh, the last time I went, and he changes the colors in the backs of the cards right before your eyes, and I have no clue how he does it. There has to be some science to it. Wow. How many magicians performed? Um, I, we saw four or five. You can, I mean, there, there are like at least a dozen performing every night, and it, the, wow. the castle is open until two. Wow. But what makes it a truly cozy location is just the decor. It's like all of this old... I don't want to say decrepit. It's not, it's, it's like, it's a lot of red velvet and yeah. it's black and it's like dark and you just kind of get lost in its sumptuousness and it's a perfect place for a society of magicians to be, to be located. It does so sound really cozy. If you have a chance, capture a magician and make them take you to the magic castle. Oh, that sounds lovely. I really would love to go. I guess I have to befriend some magicians. Yes. Get in their circle. Get in their circle. Listen, magicians need more friends, so I think it would, you know, it benefits everybody. Are they, do they perform everywhere? They go on tour? Some of them do, yeah. Some of them, you know, they go out on the road, but a lot of them do kind of like residencies at the castle and they go on, or they they try out some new stuff, or or the castle invites them. Wow. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but these are things that I'm guessing. I've just been saying like, wow, the only time I've ever heard of this. (laughs) That's interesting. I thought when you said the, when you told me you're going to the Magic Castle, I just... This sounds really silly, but I thought that it was just like a slang for Disney or something. Oh my god! <laughs> you thought I called Disney the Magic Castle? What, do you, what, what is your opinion of me? Oh my goodness! No, I just I thought it was just another way of saying it. I really didn't know. <laughs> I think it kind of sounds like a place you take a kid. I I, I get it from that sense. Yeah, like, I've never heard. I should. Did you imagine before. me in like a bounce house? <laughs> I'm going to the Magic Castle tonight. It's <laughs> just me and a bunch of. Seven-year-olds. I don't know. I don't know what I think. Anyways, okay. What is your cozy location? Oh, there's just so many. I think I'm going to do a throwback cozy location. Oh, okay. Throwback in what way? (laughs) When I was younger. Oh, okay. The Reptile Museum on Long Island. Ah. Because I really liked frogs at the time. When I think of cozy, I think of reptiles, so this makes sense. (laughs) Well, it was just a really cozy museum. Like, it had all these different floors. It was dark inside but there wasn't a lot of sun and when i was younger i really didn't like the sun so it always felt really hate the sun now i still yes that's still true today so it was like you know instead of going to the beach or doing whatever when my mom started going to the reptile museum it was always a thrill and so many little frogs and just a nice place so if you want to make jillian feel comfortable make sure there are plenty of little frogs hopping around that will well i still like i mean i still love I would go now back to the Reptile Museum. It's a great museum. Yeah. Did you learn a lot about reptiles? There, Yeah. Yeah. I was really into it. There's like four floors and they always have a little butterfly section. And It's probably really, is it warmer? Is it humid in there? Yeah. That's not very cozy, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It's always just felt like really safe to me. I remember it was like 30 minutes away from her house and I was just harassing on a daily basis. Kind of like when I was harassed my mom to take us to see Airbud. <laughs> like I, every day I would just harass her to go to the reptile museum. And when I did, it was just a glorious place. And I always felt so cozy. It's a little gift shop where I could get like, I got a little beanbag frog and you know, like a beanie baby. 
Or like an off brand. Yeah, an off brand. Oh, okay. Which can be cozy. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's the kind that you get from your grandma. Exactly. Know what so that was super like. cozy. It was dark inside. My favorite rep. The frogs? No, they're amphibian. Frogs are amphibians. Yeah. But, you know, I just. Frogs are cozy to me. I had frog pajamas. Did you have peace frog shirts? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I guess you didn't I get did the it. peace frogs? No. <laughs> I just had a lot of frog memorabilia. My my crush in middle school always used to wear peace frog shirts. And so I decided to go out. We were at Six Flags once and I bought like three peace frog shirts. I hadn't, I hated them. It, it's like, a, I don't know what, what does that say about yourself if you were peace frogs? You wanted to fit in with the in crowd. That's why you if bought he, them. He wasn't an in crowd. It was, is it like, are you just chill and want world peace? What's the statement that these yeah, frogs were making? I don't know. They're always they're the long frogs, right? They have a very long body. Yeah. Well, yeah. They have those like, the... those like splayed toes, and they yeah. always throw mm-hmm. up the peace sign. Well, I guess I, it's better than war frogs. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Battle toads. <laughs> Battle toads. <laughs> well, um, I guess it's like the no fear shirts that really made no sense. <laughs> yes, right. Forgot about those. No fear <laughs> shirts. Kind of, you know, fearsome looking. Yeah. They had that really jagged font. Yeah. Not cozy. That isn't cozy. No. How are you, you're saying no fear, but then your font choice is telling me to be afraid. Yeah. I never got them, but... Me neither. They scared me. Yeah, my baby sister wore them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> was that her, like... Was she trying to subconsciously tell you to not be afraid of her? <laughs> no. Um, all right. So that is cozy locations for this week. The, the reptile house on Long Island and the magic castle. Both places that I'm sure you will definitely be going to this weekend. Um, All right. So that brings us to our main topic for today. Uh, When Jillian and I were first trying to brainstorm like things that were cozy and made us like kind of reminisce and, and feel good. One of the early choices we had were young adult novels. And I feel like we're in a weird place now with YA books because they definitely used to be only something that children of a certain age mm-hmm. would read. And now, and maybe that's because now we have this like endless childhood, childhoods as like millennials. Mm-hmm. But I feel like adults read YA novels. I do. Oh, yeah. Totally I think it's afraid. very common. Yeah. Well into their 30s. Yeah, yeah. And beyond. And beyond. And there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, I, to me, like YA novels have a certain. I don't know. They just have like a certain self-contained element and a simplicity that is really comforting. Mm-hmm. And they kind of take, when I read them, I lo- what I love about YA novels is they kind of take you back to the basics of kind of what matters. Like the characters are not usually consumed with worrying about crazy real life stuff. Real li- it's, Sometimes it's like romantic, but it's not quite real life yet. And I feel like just going back into that time of being an adolescent, mm-hmm. Um, is in and of itself kind of a fun exercise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Jillian, what were some YA novels that you either have been reading recently that you really like or were from your childhood that whenever you see that book or think about it, you feel um, like you're thrown back in time and feel very cozy? Mm. I think for me, it was the Dear America books by, uh, well, as a brand scholastic, there were those books that you got at the book fair. That was the most exciting time of my life. Oh, yeah. But the book fairs are, I think, book fairs were and are, I don't know, they they have to still happen, right? I hope they do. Yeah. I hope for the sake of our, our, our children. 
that were still doing scholastic book fairs. Oh, they were so much fun. The coziest things on the planet. Oh, yeah. I just so like exciting. all those new books and just, and it'd be heartbreaking if like you forgot your little money mm-hmm. envelope. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. The terror. So um, the Dear America books for these, they're designed like journals. So it felt like you were holding a journal and the bookmark was a piece of ribbon. Yeah. So that, and that was attached to the book. And it just was from the perspective of young women going through different incidents in, you know, America's history. So there's one on the Dust Bowl and this girl writing about her experiences, but still like very teenagery or, you know, pre-adolescent because oh, I'm in the Dust Bowl, but my brother's such a pain, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't matter what yeah. historical event yeah. you're, you've been designed to educate young people about. Yeah. You still hate your brother. Yeah, and there's one that I really liked um, about this girl who was kidnapped by Native Americans as a retaliation for the settler's assault on them. It's not, it's not very cozy, but um, I just is a really good read. Yeah. So I, yeah, I got to be educated, but also feel like you're reading a journal. I guess my little creep self, I feel like I'm reading into someone else's little journal. Yeah, invading someone else's privacy <laughs> is, is also really cozy. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I love those books because I just, I think I felt so special like holding a book that wasn't just, that didn't look like a book. Oh, okay. That's you, kinda, yeah. I was like a, a journal and it. It was just really felt, it felt very like personal and private. Yeah, that's what made it made it cozy. Just like when you're sharing experience with podcasters, and it feels like because you've been listening to them for so many hours that you're they're your best friend. I have that problem where, in terms of the the podcasts I listen to, mm-hmm. I feel like and you do. I mean, like you hear these people talk like hour after hour after hour and you feel close to them even though you've never met them yeah so like when a book is written as if it's a journal entry which mm-hmm. is a very ya way of yeah writing, writing something it makes you feel like yeah you know that person and you're more connected to the narrator which is really nice absolutely so for me I, when i was thinking about ya novels and which ones matter to me a lot of them fall for me into that into sci-fi or fantasy that was like i never really read um, too many books about, and I, I mean, I, I read some of them, but like, you know, adolescent issues and, and coming of age stories, or that is to say I did read those books, but in with magic mm-hmm. and with, uh, lasers. So I read a lot of Redwall by, um, Brian Jakes. I think that's how you say it. Um, which is a, it was a, it's basically a book about animals mm-hmm. that live in, a medieval society like there's Redwall Abbey is an abbey populated by mice and in the first book they're defending it against a rat invasion oh I really have never pinned down the size dynamics in that book like are we think are we talking about an abbey of mice that's like real mouse sized so like basically if a human came around they could just like smash it or is it like human sized and there are these like big like like in Robin Hood you know what I mean? Like the Disney Robin Hood. I would imagine they would be bigger, right? I don't know. I have to reread it to figure yeah. that out. But I love those. And I, and I love Star Wars novels, too. I read a lot of Star Wars when I was younger. Um, especially the, the Young Jedi series. Mm. Um, which involved Luke training the children of Han Solo. Which they ended, I feel like they ended up kind of using that plot for The Force Awakens. But then they it used to be it was twins then. And they got rid of one of them. Or maybe they didn't. Who knows? We don't know yeah, who's Ray's who parents knows? are. <laughs> 
but yeah, so but but mainly for me, my obsession as a young reader was just the same as everyone else's obsession. It was Harry Potter. Mm. And Harry Potter looms large in my life because it came at the exact right time. And I think How old are you? I'm 30. And so I I, I think like people who are my age or around my age, anyone who experienced the books coming out mm-hmm. new and experienced midnight releases have like a, I think have a very special connection with those books and oh, the yeah. phenomenon that mm-hmm. they represented. Obviously everyone is able to now get into those books and movies um, regardless of where you started reading or when you started reading. But I think for those of us who were reading it as they came out and just that anticipation and you go on like message boards and forums and try to talk about like what was happening mm-hmm. and just theorizing with your friends. Like that was a very, very special time. Yeah. And for me personally, Harry Potter was like what turned me on to English as a subject. I think it's why I became an English major. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Yeah. Because I started, that's what got me into reading, period, really. I got, mm-hmm. my aunt got me the first three books all at once. That was, this was before the fourth book came out. And I devoured them in one weekend. And then just had to wait forever yeah, yeah. for um, the fourth book to come out. And yeah, so I, I, Harry Potter for me was just like a huge deal. And I still go to, the, I've gone to the Wizarding World, I'm not kidding, four times in the last year. Yeah. I have two interactive wands. Although I, okay, so at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, either in Universal or Hollywood, they have these like windows you can stand in front of and cast spells. Oh, I didn't know with that. With an interactive wand. Which has like a basically there's a sensor at the tip and then there's a camera um in the display and it it's looking for the movement and then it makes the animatronic in the window go like it's magic. And I got a wand as a 30-year-old man, not realizing how ridiculous mm. that is when you're actually at the park and you're just in line with a bunch of eight-year-olds and no, you're like, I wanna do magic fine. too. And so I've stopped using it, but I still I still I, I love the experience of choosing the wand and and kind of matching it with um, your personality or your, um, Well, how do they test your... that there? there I, my understanding is that they used to do it by, um, by sign. So like by, like oh, when you were born. Ast- oh, okay. Your astrological sign? Yeah. Oh, okay. And some, some semblance of like, like personality testing via that. And then that would match you with a certain wood type. Gotcha. Of wand. And then they had like basically these generic wood type wands. And I think they moved away from that into just personality profiling so like i just basically there's like a a a sheet you can read that has like if you are a a hazel wand then a hazel wood wand then you are this type of person Mm. and so if you have these traits if you if you feel like you respond to that then that's the wand you want or if you can't think for yourself you can always get a character wand a character wand? Yes, yeah, so like this. Oh, it's Harry Potter's oh, wand. Oh, I or see. It's okay. Dumbledore's wand or um, Hermione's wand. Well, that seems like you'd want to get your own. Exactly. And then it feels like it's like, oh, this would be if I actually lived in a world where, you know, Harry Potter was real, mm-hmm. this is the wand I would have. That's what I did the first What's time. What's their wand's call- the called? The, oh, my wand? Yeah. It was a, a hazel, hazelwood wand. Oh, sorry. Okay. Which, was it which hazel? No, just hazel. Okay. Um, and, and yeah. That was, that That's was, really lovely. That's really sweet. So I still give Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling tons of money every year yeah. to this day. They have a, a loyal customer in me. How's the food there? Uh, I've never eaten there. They don't I've have... only had alcohol there. Yeah, that's what I was, I was wondering if they had the little 
snacks and treats that oh yeah yeah they, they like they have a, the three broomsticks is like the okay in hogsmeade in the book um which is like the town that's by hogwarts where they kind of go and hang out and they have a, a pub called the three broomsticks and harry potter and his pals eat there and so you can go and eat in the same same yeah quote, that's what restaurant. i would kind of be interested in and, and that fandom actually has carried me into my modern reading of young adult novels which is and i want to talk about this book I just finished, which came out in 2015, um, but it's called Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Rainbow Rowell, have you heard of her? No, I haven't. I, th- I feel like she's pretty huge in the YA scene. She came out with Eleanor and Park, um, mm. which is like a romance. How old um, is she, do you where know? Where these two teenagers okay. communicate through music. Hmm? Sorry, how old is she, do you know? She's, I think she's a little older than we are. I think, oh. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I want to say late 30s, early 40s. I'll have to look her up. I, I really have become a fan of her writing. And so I've never read this. Basically, the scenario with Carry On and how it connects to Harry Potter is that Rainbow Rowell wrote a book called Fangirl, and, which I have not read, full disclosure, in which the, uh, the fangirl, the titular fangirl, writes a um, fan fiction about a character called Simon Snow, who is like the in-universe Harry Potter Mm-hmm. So she writes Harry Potter fan fiction. And I guess Rainbow Rowell was still thinking about Simon Snow and Boz and all these characters that the fangirl was writing about and decided that they needed their own book. Oh. And so what it actually really is at, at the heart of it is Harry Potter fan fiction in which Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy fall in love. And oh. So it's, it's, it's gay Harry Potter. Now you really have my Now attention. I have your attention. So Carry On is like a gay Harry Potter book. And I, I devoured it so fast. That sounds nice. I mean, it's really easy to read. It is, it's, it's not like, it's not dense. but And it, it leans very heavily on um, what you bring and know, already know about Harry Potter. And so she kind of does this quick like setting up of the universe. And she doesn't really, she makes unique changes to suit her own thing that I think some of them are really cool. Like in, in the Carry On universe, how you cast a spell is you is through like the power of language, and so cliches actually are powerful spells because oh. people say them a lot, and so like words are magic, which I think is like a really yeah. Cool it sounds like a very interesting book. Is there not there's there a series? No, it? no, this is it. Okay, and I kind of hope she keeps it as just this one standalone series, it's a special little book. I just for me, what I keep coming back to is I can't imagine how like just monumental this book would have been if it would have come out when I was an adolescent and I was reading a gay Harry Potter book Mm -hmm. where like the two like enemies in the book ended up kissing Mm -hmm. and it's just like super intense yeah it would be and I think like as a gay person like like a representation in a fantasy novel made for young readers that is just you just don't see it every day yeah it's cool it's important in terms of uh, YA novels, if you want to read something more current, this book came out just a couple of years ago. I highly recommend Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Yeah, it's, I don't know why I've never heard of it. I hope that those young gay Those young queers. Gay, young gays know buckle about Buckle up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> read about uh, a, a, a gay vampire wizard and his boyfriend. <laughs> buckle. I, I never have gotten the whole vampire thing. No, I really have not. I, I don't. I care less until this book is what I was about to say. Because <laughs> I, I could, care, I still could care less. But I'm interested in gay 
romance. So <laughs> send that my way. Yeah. So those are that, those were like the. I know it, it's a little bit cliche. Harry Potter's not like a unique interest, but that was truly being quite honest. Well, it's like, right about the you know yeah, being the why novel that growing up in that time period when it just came out. Because mm-hmm. I do remember even the going to the movies at twelve, or you know, you know, uh, waiting for your my dad to buy me the next book and mm-hmm. there was a humiliating moment when he bought me the paperback and everyone in my fifth grade class had the hardcover wow and my teacher held up the my paperback and said oh you know why i spend so much money on the hardcovers this julian has the right idea and oh I my god <laughs> <laughs> now that's a cozy memory that is a, which, which one was that it was the first one the first one oh so because you were a little were you a little late to the game but no, I think my dad, I was just like, ah, buy, you know, guy buy that book. And he just probably not even just. Yeah, just got the, why not? Yeah, yeah, There's just, nothing wrong with the paperback. No, but. I kind of yeah. prefer it as a reader, to be honest. Like, I love trade paperback, like the yeah. larger paperback novels. Um, there's more to grip, but you don't have the inflexibility of a hardcover. Mm-hmm, that, that's like, true. It's honestly, it's heavy. I don't want to <laughs> lift it. Well, I had a, I loved my little paperback, and it was so exciting. So I really do relate to what you said. It's more than just the book; it's also just the essence of it and the fandom. Yeah, I have a problem where I feel like I I anchor the story into the physical object of the book and get sentimentally attached to the physical book as if it is the story. And so I hoard all these books. Oh, so do I. So much to me, even though, like, as if, as if I, if I were to throw away the book, I'd be throwing away the story. You're throwing them in the memories. (laughs) I told, I'm bringing all my books over to my girlfriend's house, moving in, and she doesn't understand, but said they were like my friends. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Just toss them. Like that's that's exactly how I feel. I'll have every book, even if I hated the book, it's coming with me till the day I die. Put throw it in the grave. (laughs) So. With, with some frogs. Yeah, with some frog memorabilia. All right. Any any final thoughts on YA literature? No. I want to come back to this topic because I feel like we've just scratched the surface of yeah. what YA literature was and is. I think so, too. There's so many books to talk about. Absolutely. And now for our next segment, which is Celebrities That Calm Us. I'm gonna, I need to get really good at the segue into the ambient noise. I, th- I think that was better than most. Yeah, I, I think you do a good job. Thank you, Jillian. Jillian hates the cat purring noise, by the I way. I really do. It, seems, <laughs> it just makes me on edge. Like someone's going to, cat's going to pop out and claw my face apart. I don't really <laughs> find it cozy. Um, if, if you have a strong feeling about the cat purring, please let us know, and I will gladly replace the sound. Or if you love it, um, defend it so that we don't mm-hmm. get rid of it because Jillian hates it. <laughs> so uh, this week, um, what are some celebrities that are, are calming you, Jillian? Well, a celebrity that always calms me is Larry David. I find him very calming. <laughs> the, literally the king of awkward <laughs> comedy, like where, that, where you draw out an awkward moment to the point where you feel so uncomfortable and dirty. That is, oh, your, dirty. That is your celebrity that calms you? Okay, explain this. Okay, well... It's something that me and my mom bond on. I got the Curb Your Enthusiasm box set like when I was younger for Christmas. And then when I was little, I'd watch Seinfeld with my mom, not understanding anything of it because I was too tiny. But like, you know, it just seems like it's a comfort in the sense where it's just like I can relate to my mom. But mm-hmm. also, 
know. I can just easily turn on an episode of, of Curb or just watch something that he says, and I just feel comforted. I don't know why. He's just he's not really like an intimidating person. He's not an intimidating celebrity. He's just a curmudgeon. He's not, you know, I find him enjoyable. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> yeah, I just like him. I just seems. I was going to say, well, I guess I just have a very weird selection of cozy, cozy <laughs> celebrities. I was going to say Rob. No, Lowe, you know what? <laughs> it, it takes all kinds. <laughs> And I'm glad that you represent um, people who find Larry David to be uh, calming. I do. Why? It's just you know. I think it's re- he doesn't. I don't even feel like Larry David finds himself calming. No, oh, no, I'm sure he doesn't. It, but I, I guess for me, he probably is trying hard. But I, what makes me uncomfortable is when I can tell someone's trying very hard, and that mm-hmm. makes me feel anti cozy. So someone like Jennifer Lawrence, like. I fell out down the st- the stairs at the Oscar or something like, you know, he's always put it on a show. Okay. Those kinds of people, I just so find. you feel like his, his like natural energy. I do. I I, I mean, I, I think he probably puts it on, of course, but not to the degree where I'm conscious of. Whenever I'm conscious of someone putting on a show or trying super hard to be funny, I just want to die. Like I can't. Yeah. I'm ner- embarrassed and I just need to look away. So mm-hmm. he doesn't make me feel that way. <laughs> so that is Jillian's cozy. <laughs> Celebrity, celebrity that calls her is Larry David. Mine this mm-hmm. week is Leslie Nickel, who I'm just going to throw out obscure British actresses. Yeah, every I've never week. heard of her. Leslie Nickel is a British actress um, who is most famous for portraying the character of Mrs. Patmore in Downton Abbey. Okay. And she's just brilliant. Like, she's, she's so subtly funny. She's so good in the role of Mrs. Patmore. I have to be honest and say I don't know much of her work beyond Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. but that show alone has made me a huge fan. I follow her on Twitter. She's delightful. Is she an older woman? Yes. Um, she runs. So basically, if, if you haven't watched Downton Abbey, she runs the kitchen, and so she's making all these delicious foods, and she has oh. all these these funny little uh, side comments to make about what's happening in the house. Um, and at, at one point, she's having eye issues, and she wears these cool shades and she just looks so funny oh um i sweet she's very sweet and and as an actress even sweeter than her character um i have a a wonderful friend who um, met her at uh some event um for i guess it was like a some event in new york and he knew that i was a huge mrs patmore fan and so he Recorded a video with her saying hello to me. Oh, it was truly the most that's heartwarming nice. thing I've ever, maybe I've ever received from anybody. And she was so gracious to like sit there and like you know say like oh hello Matt. But there's one problem with that video is that he had his phone on mute. Are you? Serious? And so there's no sound. Oh my god. So it is a oh silent video of Leslie Nickel saying you know you know hello to me. And thanking me for liking her it performance in Mrs. Power on the show. Hmm? Sounds a bit haunting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, honestly, that's how all of my lip reading skill, you know, I, I used all every bit of it to figure out what she was saying in well, the video. Maybe she'll listen to this and then she'll... Re-record it. Yeah. Yeah. The lost Leslie Nickel video of um, greeting me. That's so cute. But it was such... I mean, I, I still like, even though it had no audio... Totally, like it just adored that uh, gesture, and that was that a really great sweet. thing that 
a friend did for me yeah. and, and her to, to, to do, you know, to take yeah. the time to do it. So she's a wonderful person. She's on Twitter. You should follow her. Um, I don't know what her, her, just Google her. Look her. Just Google her. Yeah. All right. Um, which brings us to the end of today's episode and in which we review the candle. This, okay. So Jillian can just recap again. What is the story behind this candle? Well, can I just say, I don't want to put this woman on blast, but I was very excited about this workshop and all she did was talk about how intentions have, you know, helped her, but it seems like she just schemed her way into these successes. Side note, we were supposed to all talk about our, what intention we hope to create. And so everyone's coming up with different things, success, what have you. And then she's like, well, today we're going to do balance and joy. And then she just made these, like, ignore what everyone said. Put, wow. They got these two big vats, put some, like, oils in them and filled up our little candles. So we didn't really make the candles. Um, but anyways, I have to say, tell us one little anecdote of how she was saying how she changed her life from working in some corporate whatever and making her own candle business and she moved out to LA. She was looking for an apartment and she found an apartment in Laguna Beach, but she didn't want to pay the 2000 a month for it. So she said to the landlord, I'll pay you 1200 And he said, yes, because what? she set the intention. It's like, I set my intention that I wanted the apartment to be 1200 And she used these kind of examples, which I don't really think is what intention setting is. No. <laughs> I think you just did. I don't know. I'm not gonna, alleging anything, but I think some, you know, she conned her way into that. But then she, like, say these things as we're making the candles. Well, I wanted to get another nice new apartment. Next thing you know, I was living down the block from Oprah Winfrey. And I intended that. So like this. <laughs> so does it just involve having the intention or are the candles necessary for that to become a reality? Well, the candles help apparently. So the candle that we're sitting in front of today is joy. Mm -hmm. But since it was more her intent, I don't know if it has the same relevancy for me since that wasn't my intent for that class what was your intent that day i don't even remember i was just so preoccupied these women's tales of scoring apartments around los angeles because she wished it so, so this, is, this is not even your joy it is her joy no it isn't i don't think it smells like anything so that's why i really wanted it you to for me to bring it here to give an opinion because i also ir irritated me because i don't think it smells like anything no okay so this is my opinion so just to set set the scene here, tell you what I'm looking at. It's a little tin jar. Yeah. That you, I've, I've seen this kind of jar used uh, a lot. And just a tiny, almost, almost like tea light sized. Mm -hmm. And there's no smell. There's no smell. There there's really, no smell. There really isn't. Is, there's, no, there's no scent whatsoever. I will say when I sniffed the candle before I lit it, I smelled mm -hmm. something vaguely peachy. Yeah. Like a fruity smell. Yeah. Because um, she had us use oils. I, I forgot in the balance candle, there's a balance candle, there's lavender or something like that. But this one has a, it's supposed to smell orangey. Okay. I was getting like a citrus. Yeah. It's supposed to be citrusy. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't throw the scent at all. No. It's just, you smell it if you put the candle to your nose mm -hmm. and it's very subtle, but there's no throw at all. Yeah. It may as well not be a scented candle. Exactly. So I did leave that class. So who made this? Um, my girlfriend, and she said, "Do not use my name." <laughs> <laughs>
No, she. Okay, so, so this was her candle. Yes, I asked her if I could borrow it because I burnt mine to the ground, basically <laughs> trying to get a smell out of oh, it. Okay. Uh, and so. And then, so, but, but in terms of like the who made this candle again? Can you refresh my memory? Who's responsible for this? <laughs> oh well, I guess my girlfriend's responsible for it, but she really isn't because. We didn't, but she made the bush, but this person put the oil and stuff. Oh, right? yes. The, so what's, the classmaker put the oil. Oh, she's just this private entity. She's oh, just okay. this woman who also talks to angels and who has her whole little. What's her name? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember what okay, her name so, was. Okay, so listen, we don't really have any official name for this candle, except for that it's called a joy candle. Yeah. And it's made by somebody who can speak to angels. Yeah. And so if, you, if those things come together for you, if you're ever at like a candle making class, and the person claims to talk to angels, claims they live close to Oprah Winfrey, yeah. and their candles are balance and joy. Get out of there. I know. Because that candle has no throw. Yeah, no throw. None whatsoever. Yeah. So the candles that she tried to sell us did smell really great, but the candles we all took home don't smell like terrible. Not so, terrible. I mean, you get the light. I'm glad you confirmed it for me yeah. because I was trying to convince myself, well, maybe I smell something, but I'm glad that I got a second opinion to know this brings no joy to me i have no balance <laughs> smells like nothing <laughs> wasted 30 dollars. oh my god 30 dollars <laughs> for this we made two okay well i guess 15 dollars for it really is like a thimble yeah okay um that about does it for this week uh join us again in another two weeks mm-hmm. episodes are released every sunday for another cozy uh 45 minutes maybe a little less yeah. <laughs> with us and please, you know, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Instagram. All Things Cozy Podcast. That's right. And uh, always uh, subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes because mm-hmm. that helps people find us. Um, thank you for listening and stay cozy. Yeah.